Well, uh, it uh, now leaves me the great pleasure of introducing our dear friend Dan, who's going to be speaking to us in just a moment on uh, our summer series in the Book of Proverbs. Uh, Dan is a wonderful, wonderful man. You don't need me to tell you that. Um, I think I just wanted to share with you, I think this says a lot about who Dan is. There, um, Dan has been away this week and uh, pre-recorded a video. It's a fantastic video of him preaching in front of a summer house, uh, looking very comfortable, uh, sat in the sunshine preaching. Uh, it would have been very easy for him. He did that in preparation that he might not be able to be here with us live in person. But uh, rather than just using that video, Dan's decided he wants to come and preach this uh, message in person. I think that says a lot about him rather than just taking the easy option. And uh, we are so blessed to have him. He's a wonderful gift uh, to us. And so without further ado, let's welcome Dan. Well, thank you very much, Sam. It's really great to be able to be here. And let me just put you on the gallery view so I can see your face. It's so much nicer to speak to people rather than a, a camera. So uh, it, uh, it really isn't an inconvenience. It's much more of a delight to be able to to talk this way, even though I can't hear you, I can see you, which is wonderful. Uh, we're in a series on the book of Proverbs today, so if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6, that's mainly where we're, where we're going to be, but we've been doing a teaching series on the book of Proverbs, looking at a lot of uh, different practical bits of advice for life, that's what the book of Proverbs does, it gives us wisdom for how to do life well as followers of God as followers of Jesus, and uh, we've been looking at a number of different things, we looked at how to make decisions, we looked at how to uh, avoid pride and cultivate humility. And today we're looking at the topic of work and laziness. And as I'm speaking, there will obviously be a lot of people here who are in lots of different circumstances when it comes to work. And I just want to say at the outset, this is not a sermon that is only applicable for people who are in full-time work or in professional employment. Uh, this, some of you here will be uh, stay-at-home mums. You don't have a, an employed role, but actually you may be doing the most difficult job in the world. And today I, I feel that God has something to say to you. Some of you may actually be furloughed at the moment. You're experiencing something that you haven't experienced before. You're like, well, I'm getting paid, but I'm not having to actually do any work for it. And it's a strange situation. And I'm sure that God wants to speak to you today because we are all, as Christians, called to work in some way, whether or not that is paid, and we're called to avoid the, the temptation of laziness. Now, for some of you, this may be particularly painful because you may well be unemployed and you want to have work, or you may well have lost your job recently because of COVID. And I feel God wants to speak to you as well today. God wants to help to comfort you in the midst of what you're going through, but also to be able to help you to understand what does it look like in a season where you want to work professionally, but you're not able to, what does it look like to work even though you're not being paid to in a way that's honoring to God and in a way that avoids laziness. So that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, like I said, we are all called in some way as Christians to work. We're all called to honor God by doing activities that are pleasing to him. And for many of us, that will look like working in full-time employment. But even those of us who are employed, there will be lots of other areas in life where we are called to work. So this is applicable to all of us here today and we are all also called to try and avoid the sin of laziness which is something we're going to look at today and like I said we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6 and we are going to be introduced to an interesting character today well two characters in fact but one of them is an ant as you'll see 
in a minute. But another character that we're going to be introduced to is a character that appears throughout the book of Proverbs a number of times and who actually also sounds like an insect. His name is the sluggard. Sounds kind of sounds like slug. And actually, that's a pretty good word. Some of your translations may have slightly, uh, I don't know, less old fashioned words. But I like the word sluggard because you look at a slug on the floor and you think that's kind of just it looks like the epitome of laziness, just not moving fast at all. And the sluggard is a really he's a funny character. He appears a number of times in Proverbs. There's one part of Proverbs which says the sluggard says there's a lion in the street. I'm going to be eaten. It's like this overly lazy person who just makes up excuses to not do any work. And it's funny and it's meant to be funny. It's meant to be the kind of thing that you read and you think this is amusing. But it's also meant to be the kind of thing that you, whilst you're laughing, you find it funny until you suddenly recognize yourself in the person of the sluggard. And I know that's an experience that I've had as I've been preparing this. And I trust that it may well be an experience that some of us has as we read this passage and as we hear the word of God taught, that we suddenly realize, oh, wait a minute, this is funny because this sluggard figure is funny. He's overly lazy. None of us, I imagine, would ever perhaps be quite as lazy as the sluggard is portrayed in Proverbs. But I trust that also God is going to speak to us as I read the word and as I teach about areas of our lives where we can sometimes be tempted to be like the sluggard. I know there are areas in my life where I can be like the sluggard figure. And if that's the, if that's the case, and as I'm preaching, you feel that sense of conviction, can I encourage you not to take that as a discouragement? Um, when God convicts us of areas that he wants us to grow in, he doesn't do that in order to discourage us. If I point out to Zoe, my daughter, um, an area that she needs to improve in or that she needs to do better at that's appropriate to a two-year-old, two -year don't worry, we're not putting too high expectations on her. But if I point out an area that she needs to try and do better at, I'm not doing that out of hatred for her. In fact, if I hated her, I probably wouldn't tell her that there are certain areas that she needs to improve in. I'm doing that because I love her. And so if God is convicting us today of areas where we think, you know what, there's just some areas in my life where I can easily fall into the sin of laziness. Take that as an encouragement that God wants to help you to become more and more like Jesus. So let's read Proverbs 6 and we're going to read verses 6 up to 11 together. Go to the ant, old sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, old sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. If you've been following through with us doing our daily devotions in the book of Proverbs, you'll notice that Proverbs very often works by having two contrasting two extremes. And in this case, that's what's going on. You've got on the one hand, you've got the ant who represents the, the hardworking, diligent person. And on the other hand, you've got the sluggard who represents the lazy person. And the principle that we see going on here, but that we also see throughout Proverbs is what you put in usually ends up being what you get out. OK, so, for example, if you have a car and you put petrol in it, it usually ends up running well. If you have a car and you put water in it or you don't put anything in it, Chances are it's not going to run that well. The same is true, for example, with athletes. And that this might be more relevant to the area of work. If you take Mo Farah or Usain Bolt or pick your favorite athlete or footballer, they are, they are likely putting in a lot of training in order to be able to get the reward that they get by winning competitions. 
What they put in is what they get out. If Mo Farah and Usain Bolt were just sitting on a couch all day, they are unlikely to be Olympic golden, um, golden medal holders. The principle that we see here is what you put in it usually relates to what comes out. If you put hard work in, usually that relates to some kind of benefit. If you put laziness in, it usually leads to some kind of lack of benefit. And that's actually a principle that is true in the Christian life as well. Let's have a look at Galatians 6 verse 7. The Apostle Paul says this, and he's talking about our our walk with God, actually, how we do life as Christians in this context. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So there's another image going on there. If you want to grow grass, you sow grass seed and that leads to grass seed. That's the, the point that Paul's making here is what you put into your walk with God very often relates to what you get out. But at this stage, it's really important to say something because I'm sure a number of you are probably thinking, I can think of a thousand and one exceptions to what you've just said. I can think of so many people who work their socks off and who haven't got enough money to make ends meet. And I can think of so many people who just because of the family they were born into or because they inherited a large amount of money have never had to do a day's work in their life and yet they're living an amazing life. And so it's just important here to pause and to say that when we're reading the book of Proverbs, Proverbs gives us principles, not promises. And it's so important we understand that 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 Proverbs gives us principles, not promises, because otherwise what happens is we can treat the book of Proverbs a little bit like a slot machine where we say, okay, well, I'm going to put a coin in and press a button and I expect a drink. Sorry, not a slot machine, a a vending machine. I expect a drink to come out or I expect a chocolate bar to come out. And if that's the way we read Proverbs, we could end up thinking, wait a minute, I put the coin in. I worked hard this week and I've seen no benefit of it whatsoever. In fact, my boss got angry with me unjustly and fired me, even though I didn't deserve it. And it's important in those moments that we remember that Proverbs is not giving us promises. They're giving, it's giving us wise advice for life. Generally speaking, people who are hardworking, there's usually a benefit of some kind that they get compared to people who never do any work whatsoever and that's what proverbs is trying to teach us it's not trying to tell us if you work hard you will always have enough money and if you don't work hard then you will never have enough money it's giving us principles for wise living and what we're going to see later on actually is that this principle even though it is not always true in the present is actually true from the perspective of eternity So as Christians, we may be very, very hardworking, but yet not see the benefits of it in this life. But the amazing promise of scripture is that we do see the benefits of that in eternity. So I just wanted to say that because otherwise it can be a bit confusing. It can sound like what I'm saying is you put the slot of hard, the coin of hard work in and you get the chocolate of reward out and it always works. And the reality is it doesn't. Proverbs is giving us a principle of how to live wisely, not necessarily a promise of what will always happen if we do the right thing. But that said, let's still have a look at the principle because it's trying to teach us wisdom for how to live life well as followers of God and followers of Jesus. So if we look at the ant and the sluggard here, what we have going on is the ant, those of you who've seen ants know that they're constantly working. They never seem to take a break. The ant works when it's time to work is the point that's being made here. So let's have a look at verse eight together. She, that's the ant, prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Notice it's saying she is preparing her bread in summer. At the the time of year where it's right to prepare bread, 
By the way, ants don't do that. It's an image. It's an image that's being used to, to talk about a diligent, hardworking person works hard when they need to and gathers her food in harvest. If you live in, a, in an agricultural society, and in fact, I was staying down at Bex's, uh, my wife's parents uh, over this last week, and there were lots of fields nearby. And in fact, a lot of the wheat and the grain is starting to crop up. If you are a farmer or if you live in a culture that where you're growing your own food, there are certain times of year where you have to work hard. Otherwise, further down the line, you won't see any results. And there are other parts of year of the year where you don't have to work as hard. That's the way that farming works. And the point that Proverbs is making here is that the ant puts the hard work in when the hard work is necessary. And so a diligent person, if we want to be people who are learning to grow in diligence, Part of that is learning about when do I need to work hard and when do I not need to work hard? And for many of us, when it comes to our jobs, that will look like what hours am I being told to work by my boss? And am I actually working those hours or am I just sitting there and not doing anything? For others of us, that will look very different depending on what our job is, what our life circumstances are. But the principle there is there's a time to work and the time to work hard, and then there's a time to rest and to reap the benefits of that work. So that's what the ant does. But what does the sluggard do? What does the lazy person do? Well, the sluggard's quite a funny character, and verse 10, you can just picture him on a garden chair whilst his field is lying in absolute ruins next to him. And he says in verse 10, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And it's kind of like he's sitting there, and we're all chuckling along because we're saying, you're, you're basically saying you're just going to have another five minutes of sleep before working, but we all know full well that when five minutes is over, you're going to say another little bit of sleep, another little bit of sleep. It's a little bit like, I'm sure we've all had the experience, I definitely have had it, where you, your alarm goes off and you think, I'll just have a few more minutes. I'll just have a few more minutes. And before you know it, it's three hours later and you've missed the first meeting of the day. That's the, the picture we're meant to get with the, the sluggard. It's this guy who just says, oh, just a little bit more rest. It's time for him to work hard. It's time for him to plow the field. It's time for him to sow the seed. But at that point where he's meant to be working hard, he's saying, oh, just rest, just a little bit more sleep, a little bit more slumber. And it's meant to make us laugh, but it's also meant to act as a warning to us. And this, this is basically talking about procrastination, which is my favorite form of laziness. Uh, so if I'm, my temptation when it comes to laziness is to say, here are some things that I don't want to do at work. Here are some things that I do want to do. I am going to put off the things I don't want to do as, as long as I possibly can until I have no choice. And the problem is sometimes you go too far and you don't have the time to do the thing that you have to do. And so for me, this is, I'm looking at the sluggard, I'm thinking this is funny, but this is also painful because there are moments where I say a little sleep, a little slumber, a little doing some work that I prefer to do. And then you suddenly realize that this project that you had to do isn't getting done. Now, that's the idea that's going on, but what, is the, what does that look like in our day-to-day -day life as Christians? What does that actually look like for us, depending on our circumstances? Now, for some of us, it may be about work and in our, our workplace, professional employment. For some of us, there's the challenge to us today. Are we going to approach our work and what our boss is asking us to do like the ant where we say, right, boss has said, here's the work that needs to be done. I'm going to work the hours that I am, I am told that I need to work. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to honor my boss when I do that. Or am I going to sit there and say, it's all right. I can always do it when I get home in the evening anyway. 
And that might be a challenge for us. And for, actually, that's probably a lot harder now for many of us here, maybe, maybe having to work from home, having not experienced that before. And when no one is looking over your shoulder, it's much easier to be like the sluggard and to say, well, I'm just going to sit here and not do anything. And so there's a challenge for us there. For some of us, it may be laziness and diligence in marriages or in relationships. Relationships take hard work. And it can be quite easy in relationships sometimes to think, you know what, I know I need to spend time with my wife. I need, there's this thing that we need to really talk through, but a little sleep, a little slumber, a little watching of Netflix. And before you know it, a few months down the line, there's this issue that has now come up in your marriage or in your relationship that wouldn't have been there if it had been nipped in the bud at the start. And for some of us, that might be the warning that we need to hear. And for, or for some of us, what we've realized is there have been moments in our life where we have been diligent in our relationships and we're now reaping the benefits of that years on where we think if I had not had that difficult conversation a few years ago, if I hadn't nipped that in the bud or if, if I just sat there and said a little sleep, a little slumber, I have no idea where my marriage would be. Now, at this point, we just have we have to constantly keep reminding ourselves Proverbs is teaching principles, not promises. So the last thing I want to do, especially with that last point, for those of you who are kind of listening and thinking, well, I'm in, a, I'm in a relationship or in a marriage and it's falling apart, but I have been so diligent. The last thing I want you to hear is you should have put more work in. Actually, there will be many situations where there is such a lack of fairness and justice. And that's not because you're not putting the work in. It's just because we live in a world that is fallen. But the principle is that we choose to put the hard work in and the general rule is that the hard work usually leads to something better. But even when it doesn't, we still choose to put that work in and we choose to trust God with it. So I, I want to just speak for those of you who are thinking at the moment, I, I'm in a marriage that's breaking down and I've put a lot of work into it. How does this apply to me? I think the way it applies to you actually is probably to hear God's well done over you. So well done for doing that work that was painful, that you haven't seen any sense of rewards keep on going. Let me fill you with my spirit. Let me comfort you. So it may be that it's in marriage or in relationships. It may be that it's in parenting. Disciplining children and bringing up children is hard. I only have two and a bit years of experience of it, and I'm sure I've got many, many much more difficult years to come. There are moments where you need to put your child in the corner or whatever the equivalent is for you. And it can be very tempting in those moments to think, you know what? I put her in the corner five minutes ago. I can just let this one go. But there are times where actually discipline and bringing children up and being diligent in that, it's time to work hard. And there's another time where you then reap the benefits and they're lovely and they're playing with you and they're being polite. And you think, I wonder how much of that is down to the fact that I was diligent when they were slightly younger. It may also be playing with your children, actually. I mean, we've got a two-year-old Zoe. I can hear her playing in the lounge at the moment. It's a delight to play with her. But there are times where she wants to play games that, to be honest, are just a bit dull. Uh, they're not that exciting for a 31-year-old to be playing. And it can be tempting in that moment for me to go, yeah, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little browsing of my phone or browsing of Twitter. And actually in that moment, what I'm called to do is to be diligent as a parent and to play with her. There are moments where it's right for me to rest and for me to have me time, whatever <laughs> that looks like as a parent. But there are times where it's right for me to be playing with Zoe or playing with Aura. And so that takes discernment. It may be your walk with God. Again, relationships take effort. It, our walk with God is a joy, but it's also something that we're called to put 
godly effort into. And so if you go for months and years neglecting to pray, neglecting to read scripture, you're going to find that as you go down the line, you think, I just feel like my relationship with God is dry at the moment. And in that moment, actually, sometimes the answer is to say, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to get back into praying. I'm going to get back into reading the scriptures. But before we move to, to wrap up by uh, throwing a bit of a curveball in, which I'll explain in a second, I just want to say there's also a flip side to this, where what some of us might need to hear today isn't, you need to make sure that you need to be careful not to be lazy. What some of us might need to hear is, you need to learn how to rest. Did you notice that, as I was saying earlier, that there's a seasonal dynamic that's going on in this passage, that ant gathers her food in summer. There's harvest happens at a particular time of year. Plowing your field happens at a particular time of year. Sowing happens at a particular time of year. When you're growing crops, there are times of the year where there is less work. And the principle that the whole Bible sets up is when it's time to work, we work. But we also need to learn how to rest. And for some of us, what we might actually need to hear today is kind of not really what Proverbs is that interested in, because Proverbs is trying to mainly communicate to us about hard work. But what some of us might need to hear is we need to learn how to sit down and rest and delight in God and to not constantly check the work emails, to not be working 24 seven permanently. And for some of us, obviously, I think there are certain areas of life where that's a very difficult thing to put into application. But asking God for wisdom to say, help me to trust you so that there are times where I can put my work down and where I can learn to rest and delight in you. And that is so important as well so i trust that the holy spirit is going to speak to us in the different areas that we need to ask him to help us to work on but there's just a couple of things that i want to throw in now one of which is a, a bit of a curveball having said that we work hard as christians because actually there's a principle that what you put in is what you get out another th there's just a couple of things we need to remind ourselves and that is that we the reason ultimately that we work and we work hard as Christians is we work in order to worship God. When you boil it down, we don't fundamentally work hard at work to please our boss. That might be what we're doing in a, in a short term sense. But what we are doing is working hard to please our ultimate boss. And that's something that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. You can read it yourself. He, he's speaking to slaves, which don't let that word put you off in, in the world that Paul lived in. This, that would like it's a, a bad thing but it would have been the equivalent of employers and employees and Paul's saying even if your boss never thanks you put the hard work in because you know that you have a boss in heaven who will one day richly reward you and so I want to say that when we work hard as Christians whatever area of life that's in whether that's lovingly disciplining your children when it would be easier not to when it's investing time in your marriage when you you're not getting any sense of reward out of it when it's working hard at work on something, when you know that no one's ever going to thank you or even notice what you've done, you know there's a day coming where you will be repaid and rewarded because you did that as an act of worship to God. And so that's just one thing to say at the end. And then one final thing, which is almost a little bit of a curveball and feels like it flips the whole thing on its head, which is to say, having said what you put in is what you get out, there is an area where the opposite is true. And that is how we come to be saved and come into a relationship with God. When we come to know God, we bring nothing to the table. 
In fact, this is what Ephesians 2 verse 8 says. By grace, which is a way of referring to not deserving anything, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not by works. And so as Christians, when we look to work hard, we are not doing it in order to earn God's favour. God has already given us his favour because Jesus worked on our behalf. Jesus worked hard. Jesus did what we could never do. Jesus lived the life that we could never live. Jesus worked and loved and worshipped God in such a way that no human being has ever done. And he did that on our behalf so that when we come to know God, all we bring to the table is our failings and our shortcomings and our sin. And God says, I'm going to brush that away because Jesus has worked for you. And we work hard in response to God's amazing grace. We do not work hard in order to earn it. And it's so important that when we're hearing these words that the Bible is encouraging us to work hard, the last thing I want us to hear is you need to work hard because otherwise God's not going to love you. We work hard because God put the work in to love us before we had done anything to earn his favour. And can I encourage you, if, that, if you're here today and you've never heard that message and you're perhaps not a follower of Jesus and you want to find out more about coming to know this amazing God that you can come to know without doing anything to deserve it, can I encourage you, we're going to put a link in the, in the chat towards the end that you can click on and you can just fill in your details, tell us a bit about yourselves and uh, tell us if you would like to find out more and we would love to get in touch with you because it is the best thing in the world to come to know this Jesus who has worked for us so that we get to know him. But for the rest of us, let's remember, we work hard as Christians because it's what God calls us to, but he doesn't call us to, do, to work hard because we need to earn his favour. He calls us to work hard because he has worked hard for us and we do it out of love and gratitude to him. So let me pray and then we are going to worship God in response and fix our gaze on Jesus, the one who worked on our behalf. Father, I thank you for your amazing good news that Jesus worked so hard that we could be counted as your children by doing nothing to deserve it. Father, I thank you so much that the gospel is good news. I thank you so much that we did nothing to earn your favour, but yet you gave it freely to us. And Father, I pray that we would have that resounding in our ears. Lord, even if there are areas today where we felt the Holy Spirit prompt us to say, Come on, I want to help. I want to help you here. I want to help you to grow in, in diligence and, and not being lazy. I pray we would see that as an act of your love that you didn't just you didn't just die for us so that we could come to know you. You died for us so we could come to know you and so that we could be made more and more like Jesus. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit afresh. In Jesus' name, amen.